You're the person who gives you the most inspiration. You're the one that can shut you down and you're the one that can get you started. So yeah, don't rely it. on somebody else. Yeah. You're the one that can start do it. it yourself and then surround yourself by people you want to be with. If you don't have it within yourself to go after what you want, nobody else can make it happen for you. You have to be the one to jumpstart. Like April said, you have to be the one to go after it. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Ready? One, two, three. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast. Oh yeah, baby. Live lakeside at Birch Lake. In Jewel Basin, uh, for Jewel Basin National Forest? I don't know if it's a national forest or not. I don't uh, know. Hells if I know. We're in Montana. But we're here. Hiking. Backpacking. Oh. Cheers with cans. Cans don't clink. 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 <laughs> oh. Yeah, so we figured it was a, quite a while since you've heard just Kenny and I bantering back and forth. Oh, I just saw a fish jump. Um, <laughs> and the Squirrel! Sun was, and the sun just came out. Sorry, so, wait. So, Sorry. we figured we could, Sorry. you know, do a bit about talking about adventuring. And we have to paint a picture first. You guys ready to paint a picture? Okay. Ready? We're going to paint a picture. Did you hear that picture? How can you hear it? That's exactly where we're sitting at, though. When That's you paint a picture, you're supposed to see it. No. Yeah. If you hear that picture, it if was... If you qu- paint it, you see it. It was quiet. Painting is an action. Cause I'm not very quiet. Like Kenny said, we're lakeside. It's at Birch Lake. It is a three-mile hike in, starting at Camp Misery Trailhead, and it's just outside of like Big Fork and Kalispell and Jewel Basin Wilderness. And we um, are just coming off of um, a backpacking trip, which was really lovely. Yeah, yeah. So we camped out at a place called Crater Lake, not that Crater Lake in Oregon, <laughs> but. Um, is it Oregon? Yeah. I think it's Oregon. Anyway, not that one, but Crater Lake, uh, just outside of Kalispell and Big Fork in Montana. And so, yeah, it was, it's about a three mile hike or so to Birch Lake, which we did and stopped and had lunch and then hiked another two or two and a half miles two. in about two miles probably to Crater Lake and spent the night there, which was pretty cool, even though we got rained on. On an island, almost like on a little peninsula, like we were almost surrounded by water. That These was pretty cool. beautiful mountain lakes that are just so clear. Um, yeah. Yeah, like Birch Lake, where we're at right now, is just so clear, and you just see the reflection of the mountains in the water, and all you hear are just little chirps of birds. There's, <laughs> um, we haven't seen people for 24 hours. Yeah, that's true. We haven't seen anyone in the last 24 hours, probably. Yeah, so it's... It's really nice and quiet up here. But we thought that we'd come together and, you know, do our typical little banter, but also talk a little bit more about kind of, I don't know, how to adventure out on your own, whether that's backpacking or mountain biking for the first time or, you know, taking an RV or just how to, or snowboarding or skiing or whatever, but just how to like not be intimidated by something that's new or something that you've only done a couple of times. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people, especially with something like like an overnight backpacking trip, not just a not just a day hike out. Like here at Birch Lake and stuff, you could you could hike out here easily in a day and you know, in a couple hours and hike out here, have have a good time, spend the day out here and hike back. Dude, that's another thing that's Super could be easy, an adventure but... that sorry, I interrupted you. But yeah, people I have read have 
brought their inflatable paddle boards up here, which they weigh about 20, 22 pounds or something like that. So that wouldn't be that bad of a hike to bring your inflatable paddleboard up here to the lake and float around this wonderful lake. Ha! Just no, another idea for yeah. a different type of adventure. You Anyhow, could, the, go ahead. Because the first part's a little, I mean, it'd be a little bit, it's not steep, dangerous or anything like that. Just a little taxing on you physically the first mile. Right. But, but if if you were carrying 20 pounds. Yeah. Like we were on our backpacks. I also don't want to get, like, we're using Birch Lake and Crater Lake and uh, Jewel Basin and all that for examples. But I also don't want to get too specific on that. What, what we're trying to think of this podcast being is something that's kind of a useful, fun tool for you to get inspired or like learn a little bit about what you what you should bring with you when you go on your adventure and wait what's the very first thing you should bring with you when you go on your adventure <laughs> uh beer beer <laughs> obviously we have to limit that a little bit yeah. <laughs> a lot bit probably for us but uh yeah Priorities. We, we still brought some we we brought a really nice beer from tamarack brewing that uh it's a 22 ounce bomber of this barrel aged porter that was really cool that, was we, it that we shared. Um, it's called Old Stash, Old I think. Stash. And we took, we brought that up um, for last night after dinner. We had really nice dessert beer, just mm -hmm. our one beer that we split. And then today, hiking around on the way out, we're, we're about halfway out or so. And we stopped for lunch again and to record this podcast. And so we each have just one can of beer. I have Kalispell. And it's not that much weight to add to your pack if, no. if you're in reasonably decent shape. I have Kalispell Brewing Company Oktoberfest, which is a Marzen lager. It's pretty good. Yeah, but I had to go backpacking trip in the pine forest. Had to go with Sierra Nevada's Dankful IPA. Because it's danky, just like this forest. Danky and resiny and piney. Mm, mm, mm. And we're thankful. We're thankful that we're out. Anyhow, here. you were going somewhere. I was going somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where you were going. And I do think I had a purpose with Before that. I interrupted you with the idea of paddleboarding up in a mountain lake because you have an inflatable paddleboard, which, which by the way, if you want recommendations for that, we can, I don't know, help you out because we did buy an inflatable paddleboard to start some of our new adventures. It's the first time we've done that. We've paddleboarded before, but we finally have a paddleboard. So that's a cool little thing to just try okay. but one thing i wanted to mention like when april was talking about you were saying um to not be intimidated to go out and try adventures and and like you said the we're talking for us right now specifically about where we're at because that's where we're at but not that you need to come here and do this trip you can do all kinds of fun stuff wherever you're at but that's why and I'm not trying to do, this is a shameless plug, but it's not a, uh, not an intended plug, but that's why we're getting together with Barry and Deb Benton from the virtual campground to do Camp Carpe Diem in Uray, Colorado in October. Cause we, we like to inspire people to go out and just live their lives to their fullest and do the things you want to do. What, whether it's hiking, okay. biking, um, photography, knitting, <laughs> I mean, whatever you love to do, we want you to do it. And whatever you define the, as adventure. I guess the idea is just to tell you don't be afraid to try something new no matter where you're at. Because we're, you know, April and I are 50 and 51 years old. And, you know, things change and priorities change and things you want to do change. But it's not too late to go out and do things just because you're getting a little further along in life if you are. Put it this way. Since you mentioned Camp Carpe Diem and a lot of what, well, not a lot, but one of our big parts of Camp Carpe Diem is just a little bit of mountain biking. Mm -hmm. And whether you've done it before 
or have never done it before or have done it a few times. The thing is, is when you and I first started mountain biking, we were probably in our mid 40s. -hmm. So that's, you know, kind of old to start some kind of a sport like that. We're far from an expert and I don't want to be an expert. But when I first started mountain biking, I only had what I had. I did not have some $5,000 mountain bike. I still (laughs) don't have a $5,000 mountain bike. Um, um, So I had, what did I have? What was my first? It was a hybrid. Yeah, your first bike was a Gary Fisher hybrid bike, which which is, it was like a hybrid between being able to cruise around town on it and get out on some like gravelly roads and stuff. It really wasn't made to be a mountain bike. But I wanted to learn how to mountain bike and I wanted to go. So I knew how to ride a bike and I did a little tiny bit of like, how do I put the brakes on or Mm -hmm. how do I do this? And a little bit of research and just asking some friends who have done it before. But mostly I went by myself on my first mountain biking trip. Um, And you suckered me in. Got yeah. and then in and the oh thing God, is is so then Kenny and I both did it and my comments that I got quite often in the first year when people would come off the trail with me or just noticing my bike, they would look at the trail, they'd look at me, they'd look at the bike, and they'd say, "You did that on that," yeah. and I'm like, "Yeah, it's all I had." And so I think what I'm trying to say from this is you don't have to have the $5,000 mountain bike. I mean, you also don't want no, the $50 Walmart bike. That's not going to serve you well. My first mountain bike was a fully hard hard frame bike. It, I didn't even have front suspension on it. It was fully hard in the front, hard in the back, and like just rode it wherever I wanted to ride it and tried what it, to do whatever I could. And yeah, that kept me off of some things because there's like, there's no way I can come off of that little thing that even these little rocks and stuff, there were some that you would just plow in there and flip yeah. over. But so speaking of that type of equipment, let's start with this. Oh, plus, you know, we had a helmet well, too. You don't need like a, what? $400 helmet either. So that's where I was going when we first got distracted, like 20 okay. minutes ago or whatever okay. it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, you know, wherever you're at, whatever you want to do, you don't have to have the best stuff out there. I think where I was going was like, you can do, you know, a day hike without hardly anything. You know, you just want to be prepared with, you know, the proper clothes to make sure the weather, if the weather changes and, and some water. Please know a little bit about what you're doing. Don't go out stupid. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to stay back on track with gear, but one of the stories that we've noticed too is like, okay, Colorado, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, a lot of 14ers in Colorado and not even just summoning 14ers, but even just going on a hike when you're up in the high country hiking, especially in Colorado, but above tree line, you have to avoid these afternoon thunderstorms because mm-hmm. when you're hiking above tree line and these afternoon t- thunderstorms typically come in every afternoon, you're the highest point on that mountain when those lightning, when the lightning hits. And if you're not off that mountain before then, like you're in trouble. And we've seen, and, and when you're up that high, even in the middle of summer, the weather changes drastically. It could snow. It could snow. <laughs> it gets cold. It's happened to us. The wind is like much windier on the summit of a mountain. Um, so just, you have to come prepared and we've seen people up around winter park area. We've seen people, we're coming off the mountain. We're done with our hike. We had our backpacks full of layers of clothes. We had hiking boots and we had, you know, water. We had snow pants with us. Well, we had snow pants because we were coming off of snowboarding. We intended to snowboard while we were there and we did. As we're coming off and we're done, you see these tourists coming up and they're in flip-flops. Granted, maybe, maybe they're just exploring a tiny little bit. However, we found out they planned on hiking up to the top of the summit Flip-flops, shorts, a bottle of water in their hand each, mm-hmm. no layers, no backpacks. And we just told them, um, we just came down from there and it was snowing. 
They looked at us like we were insane. So, yeah, it, you don't need to... It wasn't just... It was snowing yeah. cold, yeah. blowing cold. It was Summer. Crazy. This is the middle of summer. So in like three miles, that's how fast the weather can change on the mountaintops. Yes. And it, it can change quickly. also, speaking of not just a mountaintop, but if you're on a huge lake and the, the yeah. weather is beautiful and you go out for the first time ever on a kayak or something or on a canoe with some friends. Board, whatever. And you think that, oh, I know how to swim. You should still have the gear with you. It doesn't need, again, to be the top of the line gear, but you should still know what you're doing, know how fast that weather can change. In other words, have a little bit of common sense when you try something new. That's what you need. Mm -hmm. um, don't. So we're not trying to tell you to just go and do it without any kind of anything. But you. the biggest thing is so many people don't try new things or don't go out and adventure because they're intimidated by thinking that they have to have the best stuff. And you don't. You have to have the right stuff. Yeah, I mean, this trip that we're on, we have a combination of gear that's ours, um, back, a couple backpacks that we've had for years. Some but of the they do zippers, the job. And some of the zippers some are of the broken. zippers aren't great, but we've figured a way to rig them up so that they work. And, you know, we had to borrow some gear because we didn't have everything we needed, so we borrowed a couple things from a friend. And our tent is, it's a good two-person tent. It, and when it was in prime shape, it was a great tent. And now the fly, the zipper's a little jaggy and stuff like that. So we have to be even more specific about how we set it up. But you can make these things work. You don't have to, you don't have to go out and drop $2,000, $3,000 on prime overnight lightweight camping gear to get out and do an overnight backpack trip. You know, I mean, it's... What you really want to do is make sure you learn what what the different kinds of gear are you should have with you so that you're safe and also the ways you should behave out there so that you're safe. And that includes knowing the area you're going to be in and things you should look out for. Because like in the area we're at right now, this is the first time we've done an overnight camping trip but backpacking. Not just in bear country. In, in bear in, country. No, so we've done plenty of camping okay. and backpacking in bear country however this is the first time we've done it in grizzly bear country grizzly country and no so far granted knock on wood knock on april's head we're we've still got a few miles to go to get down to back to the trailhead to get to our car and stuff and yet we have not seen a any bear at all i'm happy with that grizzly and don't need to see that. one we've seen deer up here this trip and grouse and eagles and lots of fish lots of these crazy little I don't know what birds they are. They're really pretty, colorful birds that make a lot of noise. But <laughs> And the thing is, I think he's trying to say, too, is you won't be able to see some of this stuff if you don't get your ass out here to see it. But you do need to learn the things you need to watch out for. Like April said, um, the afternoon thunderstorms in Colorado, that's a very, 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 very common thing in Colorado, but doesn't necessarily happen everywhere else the same way. Uh, so you need to learn a little bit about what the weather patterns are in those areas or the or, lake the lake wind warnings that can come off of nowhere when you're right, in the middle of the lake just out on a lake or or to, or and here are grizzly bears. bears you need to know how black or grizzly it doesn't matter you, need to, you need to know how to behave up here and that means like setting up your camp and everything especially the thing the important things are learning things like keep your food way away from your tent and ideally you want to have it in a bear safe container that which you can usually rent or buy but or if you don't have that, you can just hang it from a tree, and you need to hang it really high up in a tree. Wait, do Things I just like tie that. a rope around a piece of bread and throw it around the tree limb? 
No, you would put your all your stuff <laughs> in a bag. Ideally, the a plastic bag would be great if it would, if you can hang it from a tree where it's not going to get pulled up through a bunch of other branches and rip. <laughs> As we learned, yeah, that happens. I would and say ours a heavy, is a pretty heavy duty bag. I would say a heavy duty bag. Whatever you can get. I mean, canvas will work. Whatever will work. That's not going to be smell safe. Obviously, the less. Nothing smells permeable. safe unless you have it in Nothing, a bear canister. But that's the point of hanging it from the tree. It's not going to be smell safe. So a bear is going to smell all kinds of things that we don't perceive. So you want to hang it up from the tree as high as you can. Ideally, you know, 20 to 30 feet in the air. But okay, wait, it here's gets the problem. tough to get so that up there. When we're reading about all this, because we've done backcountry camping before. The first the first time we actually did it, we used a bear canister. So we, I think we actually, I think we just set that aside way away way away like 100 i think you're supposed to be like 100 yards away from where you're camping yeah um so the and then the next time we did um oh we were we were like we had barely little food it was cold we were above tree line it was like i think we just probably probably incorrectly but we shoved it under the snow because <laughs> we were oh, camping re- outside yeah. of georgetown but again we did move it away from our tents yeah so but when we're so like double checking keep it with you when we're yeah totally don't keep it with you and when we were double checking like how like how far the the bear sh- hang the bag should be above the tree it was said like 25 to 50 feet so 25 to gra- 50 above the ground feet. and so we're like okay and then it was like you should have like a hundred and then it said you should have like a hundred yards of rope and stuff so we're thinking 100 feet. 100 feet sorry we're thinking all this stuff we're like great not even thinking it through and then when it comes time to putting all that into action kenny's looking up at the tree like how the hell do i throw this 50 feet up okay so Almost no tree near us was 50 feet tall, period. (laughs) Let alone, they were very tall though. They were probably about 30 feet tall in that neighborhood. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, okay, I tie a a decent sized rock, not not a huge rock, but a decent sized rock to put a little weight on the end of the rope, right? So you can throw it. And I'm thinking to myself, 50 feet? There's no way I'm throwing almost any rock 50 feet straight up in the air and over a branch are you kidding me i let mean al- 25 lone- feet's a pretty good height to be throwing a rock well let alone a pine tree that doesn't really have a branch that's sticking out in the first place yeah pine, that's the uh, another challenge up here is like everything because ideally you want it a, over a branch that's sticking out away from like, the trunk of the tree like five feet from the tree yeah so you can get it hanging out away from the tree so if the bear did climb up the tree it'd have a hard time getting out on that branch and, uh, and it would probably break if they did get out on that branch but that's the idea but i'm like looking at this tree going man john elway could not <laughs> throw a football up 50 feet over this tree right now i don't think and i believe the guy's still got a decent arm for an old man and yeah, I can say he's an old man. I grew up watching him. So. We don't want to hear any comments about football. <laughs> Although we'll hear and we'll listen to comments about football. But we still like yeah. John Elway, whether you like him or not. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I grew up watching John Elway, Anyhow. so that's all I'm saying. So just... I'm just trying to say it's going to be pretty damn hard throwing a rope 50 feet up in the yeah. air. And I ain't climbing no damn tree so, 50 feet to hang my bear hang. I think it's So those, you do the best you can. Yeah, you do. But I think it's those little things when you're reading like how-to stuff or reading refresher things or reading all the things that you're trying to figure out how to do something right when you're out on whatever adventure you're on. When it comes time to actually put it into action or put it into play, you realize sometime that it's not as straightforward or as easy or as simple it is. So you have to be... You have to be willing to think a little bit outside the box and you have to be willing to be flexible and you have to be willing to rig stuff up and just think for yourself. So if if there's no way for you to hang something, to hang a bear bag or something like that, well, it's still, 
you still want to keep that food away from your tent. Mm -hmm. And in grizzly country especially, not just food, anything smelly. Yeah, including like your toothpaste. Um, I really, you probably don't need deodorant out in the wilderness. You're going to smell like wilderness anyway. Rub a pine tree on your body. Yeah. It's all good. That's what the bears do. You rub up against a pine tree. Oh, it scratches your back and gives you a little pine yeah. scent. You get, you get dankful. You're dankful. dankful. I would but, also say. Yeah, be dank. Face your fears. I would say be dank. Be dank. Okay, we'll go with that. I would also say face <laughs> face your fears. Um, so if you're yeah. a little bit fearful of mountain biking, for example, or a little bit fearful of going out on a Jeep for the first time on a four-wheel drive trail, or a little bit fearful of bears like me, I always have had like this weird fear of bears. And here's the thing. Millions, millions, probably billions of people go out in the wilderness every damn year. Definitely and millions. The only stories you generally hear about or the rare ones about a bear attacking someone because you're not going to hear about the person who had the best camping trip ever because a bear didn't show up that's boring so don't let the media mess with your head well in a good portion of the time those things are you know situations that like you said they're super rare freaky it's usually a freak thing that happens not a common occurrence i mean there's plenty of people that we know personally that that are big outdoors people and stuff who have come across bears, like a grizzly bear, and live to tell the tale afterwards. You because know, because most do. Because you know that's not to say you should seek out a grizzly bear and approach a grizzly bear. You absolutely should not. But um, you know you can survive these encounters. Most people survive these encounters. Yeah. Now, granted. But, did I sleep last night? <laughs> no, because my brain keeps thinking about the studio. I'm going to blame it on the media. Can I blame it on the media? You can, Not my but brain. it's just your brain. No, but no, it's just, your brain. just tell me I can blame it on the media. You can. We can I blame everything else on the media. But it's okay. your brain. I'm going to blame it on the media. So I know damn well that I should just go to sleep because worrying isn't going to do crap. And we did all the stuff we should do. And I still couldn't sleep. And I'm going to blame it on the media. And then here's the other thing I wanted to say with your equipment. The, the old, yeah, it's true. The older you get, the more you hike, stuff like that, like your joints start to ache. So if, if you're going to sleep in a tent and you don't <laughs> want your hips to ache, then maybe you should spend a little bit more money on a little bit higher in sleeping pad. Could you do it without a sleeping pad? Yes. If you would like to sleep comfortably, at least <laughs> not blame it on the media, put a little bit more money into your sleeping pad or your sleeping bag. <laughs> That's just a little pro tip. Right yeah. There. And... Mm -hmm. Our tent, you were saying earlier, Kenny, that it leaked a little bit because of the rain, the fly, the mm -hmm. zippers are messed up and stuff like that. Okay, we're camping in Montana in uh, mid-August. The low was probably 48. Like, it was not that it was in cold. The 40s somewhere. It was not going to be raining forever. We're only out here for a couple days. Okay, it doesn't matter. Even if we got a little wet, we'd be fine. Now, yeah. if you're going to take that same tent and go backpacking in the middle of, like, Alaska oh, gosh, when it's, no. like, November <laughs> or December, yeah. that is not a good idea to take that same tent. You have to think about where you're going and what you're doing. And if you need more top-of-the-line equipment that's going to handle where you're at, then, yes, you should spend the money on that. However, you can still find a lot of good shit at pawn shops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're in that type of area. If you're in Colorado especially up in a mountain town or something, you find some really cool thrift stores and like um, secondhand stores, stuff like that, that resale stuff or um, will sell stuff on consignment. And it's a lot cheaper than buying brand new stuff. But, and it's usually great gear and it's, you know, it's just somebody has 
gotten the use out of it that they wanted and it's still good stuff it's just you know a lot of times you'll get even better gear that way because you'll get stuff that somebody spent top of the line money on and just like after a after however long they used it they just were done and or whatever happened happened and they're getting rid of that gear so you can get a lot of good deals all right but... let's let's get some tips on that like you were just saying so think about like all of our gear so mm-hmm. we have we have pretty good uh backpacks for backpacking um mm-hmm. both of those i'm pretty sure came from so we either buy from friends or we buy from pawn shops there's an eagle right now i'm pointing at oh yep eagle flying right over the lake it's <laughs> gorgeous but and by that she means bald eagle bald eagle Oh, oh my right gosh, he's like us. landing right on the tree branch oh, right above he's us. Gonna, he's joining for the podcast. How about that? So we now have, uh, I don't want. To, I don't know what a, the name of the eagle is. but well, just we, name him. We have a bald eagle right there. Barry the bald eagle. Barry Thanks, the Barry. Bald, Barry the bald eagle. And no, anyhow. Barry's not even close to bald, but this eagle is. So anyhow, um, well, I think what I was... sitting here checking out our podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for joining. Awesome. I was going to go through our list of gear that we kind of have for adventuring because we're not crazy adventurers. We don't do a lot of things, but I'm pretty sure most of the stuff that we have is either bought from pawn shops, thrift stores, or friends used. Yeah, I would just do some so sample stuff. Our like, backpacks were bought from friends. Our backpack. Uh, well, one of them I think is from Costco. I think this one, the one you used, okay, is from fine, Costco. Costco. The other one is from a friend of ours. The one I used. Our backpacking tent was from a friend. Um, one of our sleeping pads, which is not our favorite, but it worked for a while. We actually bought from REI. The other sleeping pad is borrowed right now. Another sleeping bag, which is a great sleeping bag and a backpacking one too, um, we got because a friend was giving it away. So we got that one yeah, for they free. Yeah, were just done with it. And... Another sleeping oh, bag Barry's is going away. borrowed. Darn it. Bye, Barry. Thanks for joining the podcast. See you next time. Sorry about that, but, you know, had to say goodbye to the live audience. What else did we bring with us? <laughs> oh, we bought the know. little cook stove, the little camping stove when you have to go. I bought that actually from REI on sale from their um, their clearance thing. Oh, yeah. Their garage yeah, sale type like clearance thing. Clearance. They, um, every year they have yeah. a garage sale. They do call it a garage sale, I think. We have water filters that we bought brand new. Um, yeah, that's something good to have when you're doing a long backpack trip or, or an overnight kind of trip is uh, stuff like a like a life straw is what they're called okay. or and there's other ones too other filters that allow you to use like lake water or river water and things like right. that and it filters it so you don't have to carry tons and tons and tons of water because you just can't physically do that our, for multi-day our trips. cooking utensils i think we got it at a thrift store mm-hmm. or not our utensils but they're little cooking pans that are meant for backpacking we got it at a thrift store um our silverware that we use is just literally silverware from our drawer you don't need <laughs> yeah. to go out and spend fifty dollars on a little fancy silverware package um and then our snowboard like our snowboard gear most of the times we get a lot of our snowboard equipment at pawn shops we look pre-season or there's like a pawn lot of um there uh, in colorado there's a lot of ski swaps sales, and things ski swaps yeah where you'll find people selling their old gear or a lot of times um though there will be companies especially smaller um snowboard or or ski companies and stuff gloves everything and they have stuff that they were trying to sell brand new last season that didn't sell but they're they have new stuff coming out this year so they're selling it at a discount at these swaps and stuff yeah i don't think we've ever bought anything brand new that year it just doesn't make sense to do it there's so much great equipment out there that you can buy used from either a friend which is great because if you have someone a friend who's selling it they know the equipment and then you are helping them, and then they're helping you. So I think most of our snowboarding equipment is that way. We have backpacks that are the same way. I think you got me a backpack that we carry my snowboard on 
for going backcountry snowboarding that you bought me as a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, like our boat, our boots, our board. Well, yeah, that's a that's a huge All thing that. that you're saying right there. Like everybody focuses on the new, the shiny new stuff that's out on the floor at the store, but a lot of those stores have inventory in the back room that they couldn't get rid of last season too. So you know, places like REI or places like you know, ski different ski shops and stuff like that, different outdoor sports stores. They have a lot of those places have outdated inventory in the back that's perfectly good stuff that they just couldn't sell last year they they had too much of it didn't sell it all and they'll sell it at a little bit of a discount instead of you buying the brand new stuff of course they want you to buy the new stuff but they want to get rid of that old stuff too but so they don't just eat it so yeah that's something that usually that you'll you'll probably have to ask somebody if they have that kind of stuff because they don't necessarily offer offer it up especially if they work off commissions or something because they probably get a better commission off the new stuff i would imagine but things like that and um our mountain bikes mountain bikes you, you guys know, if we've you, never if you, like april said we've never had a five thousand dollar mountain bike if you follow our story you know damn well where our mountain bikes come from they come from a recycled bike shop that is also a non-profit mm-hmm. called lucky's recyclery in denver and i love that we've traveled around different places in the united states i love that there i've never known really there's places like this all over the country so yeah, if you it's... look for like recycled bike shops some of them are also nonprofits that help kids get their own bikes and teach them how to right. take care of the bikes right there are just used bike shops but this has a whole different spin like april saying that like um they take donations of bikes and things like that and then they fix them up if they need to or they look them over they give them a tune-up whatever they need to do to make them you know, to where they're a good bike to sell, a good reliable bike. And part of how they do that too, at least at, at Lucky's Recyclery, Recyclery in Denver, you know, they have they bring kids in and teach them how to work on bikes and teach them how to fix them and how to, and they earn, you know, they earn, the part of their hours is earning their own bike so that they get a really nice bike just for coming in and learning how to fix the bike and fix other people's bikes. And they have a valuable skill there that they can take off to another you know they could go work at any bike shop across the country probably with the skills they learn so it's a fun thing there's a lot of cool things like that out there to find secondhand and and use stuff and still have these like really cool stories behind them and good win-win kind of situations you get a cool bike they help these kids um, somebody makes money it's great it's <laughs> here's the uh, here's the thing though is if if you are looking to become an expert at something um, and you really want to start doing that well I mean obviously we're not talking directly to you because we're just out there just adventuring and having fun and stuff but if we have had friends tell us this especially on our mountain bikes because we've ridden with them a lot and they're like you know if you just had that one step higher of a bike your skill level in riding would probably be one step higher. Mm -hmm. So I would go with that. When you start out with something, start with what you have. And then if you really enjoy the sport and want to get better at it, then of course your equipment is going to help you get better at it. It's like, um, so yeah, it's like that's the same with snowboarding. If you have this old board from the 80s, you're going (laughs) to be riding much differently than a board that has like, you know, all the newer things on it that allow you to grip the mountain and grip the ice and ride down the mountain better so of course your equipment is gonna help you but the thing photography even so that maybe that's not even a full-on adventure you can be a photographer with your iphone or whatever and damn those freaking phones are now like probably a lot better than some of the 
cameras that came out like 20 years ago. Actually, they are. However, if you want to start photography, you start again with what you have. In But if you have the eye and then you get the newer equipment that allows you to use that skill that you've built, it's going to one-up you. Yeah, and I and building off of what you're saying too is like a lot of times if you look too far ahead, it looks really intimidating too. So it's a lot of times good to start with at that other end where mountain biking. You don't want to start on a double black diamond run. I mean, we've been riding for a few years and we ride with some really good riders too that help us get way better. But we're not ready for that. You could you start, start a double there. black diamond but, run, but that might be your first and your freaking last run because <laughs> your ass is going to be in the hospital. But w- one quick little story I'd like to say, share on that side is that I remember when you and I, April, when we first, really we were first began snowboarding and stuff. I remember going to Arapaho Basin in Colorado and we would sit we would ride hard. I mean, we would go out, we were learning. And then we, as we got better, we would ride a lot. You know, we would, we would go up, try to get there as soon as we could when they opened and ride all day long, exhausting ourselves to the end of the day, and then go sit down at the bar and look up the mountain. And I remember looking up at a run called International and another one called Standard. And then over at the Pally run on Pally Mountain. And I remember us sitting down in the lodge and looking up at that going, hell no we will never ever ride down that shit no way because it scared the crap out of us at that time what's one of the first runs we go to now now (laughs) pallet coming down pally not quite but it's almost a warm-up run yeah it's not a warm-up run you you need you need a little warm-up first pally main street yeah not quite a warm-up run but those moguls but we could go down Mm. that we could go down that the first run of the day and we'd be okay we wouldn't tear it up probably the first run i might i will you might not you're a mogul nut though too (laughs) i am not but i remember looking at things like that going there's no way we will ever be riding that i don't need to ride that i don't care i just want to go out and have fun and you know, over time it progressed to the point where, yeah, I want to go do that. I want to try that. Cause we slowly got to that point. It took years. It what it didn't happen one season, two seasons, but that's the joy of the journey. You don't need, just cause you get to that point doesn't mean you've arrived somewhere. You, yeah, you arrived at a cool point where you can ride that now, or you arrived at a point where your photography eye is where you could do that now or whatever it is you you want to do, whatever you want to accomplish. But it takes time to get there. And that's part of the fun is getting there. Yes. The time it takes to get there. The people you meet getting there. The different experiences you have getting there. Yeah. And if you have, if you come across those people who like look at you like, what the hell are you doing on this trail? You don't deserve to be on this trail. Well, those aren't the people you want to hang out with Mm -mm. anyhow. Because let me tell you this right now. Everybody was a beginner at one point in time. Everybody screwed up and goofed up and had the wrong equipment and had the right equipment and did it the wrong way or everybody did. That's how you learn and that's the joy of it. So don't let anybody tell you anything differently. Um, what I, well, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. It was very important. I don't know. Oh, that's the other thing is so many people and we did a podcast on this too. I'll link to it in the show notes. But so many people give us the excuse or give anybody the excuse or give themselves the excuse. I'm too old or I might get hurt. That's fine. Like you know who you are. But however, don't use that all the time. You're not too old to try something new. Maybe you knowing your body, you might be too um, old is not the right word. Maybe your knees can't full on handle 
like, uh, you know, double back diamond on a snowboard. Yeah. And maybe you'll never be able to because your knees are in right. such a state. But your knees can still handle learning possibly like going down a green slope on a mountain, on a snowboard if you would like to try that. It doesn't mean and that you have to And as you get better, stop. you might be able to handle yeah. a little, maybe not a double black diamond, the most advanced stuff. But you can get a little better and that ability, having better technique, having learned how to do it will make up for some of the physical yeah. limitations you have sometimes. I, yeah, but I think the point is, too, is don't just sit there and say, I'm too old to try that, because that's a load of bullshit. No, we had a good friend who, and I remember when we, probably five, six, seven years into snowboarding, when we were, like, really getting serious about snowboarding and, like, buying season passes and going 30, 40, 50 times a season in Colorado, we had friends that we talked to about it and saying, you should, and they saw it, thought it sounded so awesome. And then it's like, oh, come up with us sometime. And I remember a good friend of ours, he was like, I want to say he was around 36, 37 at the time. He's like, oh, no, I'm too old to start doing that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 36 or 37? I look back now. I mean, at the time I thought I was dumbfounded going, no, you're stupid. That's just not right. Because <laughs> it wasn't a physical limitation. It was just he thought he was too old. But I wonder if part of that sometimes for people is just the intimidation factor of it. Because mm -hmm. if you don't have people think, again, this is the whole kind of purpose of this, is think that sometimes you have to have this best perfect gear or you don't even know where to start to look for the gear. So it's just easier to not do it at all. And the easy excuse is, I'm too old. I'll try something else. Well, or you see somebody who's really good and you think, man, it'd be cool to do what they do. But then you think that's going to hurt learning to do what they do. And it would if you tried to do it overnight. And it could it hurt if you do over... it for a couple of weeks. Right. And it, <laughs> well, snowboarding, you're snowboarding gonna, hurts. If you, if you learn to snowboard, you're going to be sore the first few days. It's pretty, pretty common. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. But Kenny's had a pretty good couple of biffs on his mountain bike mm -hmm. too. So yeah, you know. I mean, I've gone ass over handlebars a at least three or four times. And luckily I've been in good enough spots that <laughs> it wasn't a major, uh, major, uh, catastrophe when it happened. But uh, the whole point of this is just don't let the gear intimidate you and don't let yourself intimidate you and don't let others intimidate you. You're never going to yeah. get out of something that you want to try unless you do Pick it. And people that encourage you. Shit, it doesn't even have to be a full on adventure adventure. Like I said, no. it could be photography. It could be starting An to write a book. Anything. It could be yeah. starting to write a book. Cause that's scary shit. It's like, you're looking, I'm going to write a book. If you look at that entire big picture of trying to be an expert writer, you're going to shut the hell down. Big secret. April's going to write a book. <laughs> now you got to do it. The pressure's on. I, I'm going to do it. I know she's going to do it. But if you look so. at that big picture, it no shuts pressure. you down. So if you break <laughs> it into just a tiny little piece, you can do one little piece at a time. And then that big piece gets doable. Like moving into an RV. If you look into like moving into an RV as this huge thing and it just scares the crap out of you or traveling the world, it scares the crap out of you because you don't even know where to start. Well, don't think of the big picture. Just start. Just start. Yeah. And I would add another tip onto that. That's a great tip, I think, by the way, is just start. Just start. But the other thing is something you alluded to earlier where um, where you talked about people who look at you like you shouldn't be on the mountain on a snowboard if you're a beginner or on the mount on a trail if you're a mountain biker who's a beginner or whatever, whatever that is, you know, the naysayers. Don't surround yourself by those people. I'm everybody that we have chosen to ride our mountain bikes with or snowboarded with or hiked with. I can't think in my mind, I, looking back, we've been alive for a long time. 
had a lot of these different experiences and I can't think of a single person that I think of and I go back and go, that guy was such an asshole to us when we were trying to learn. Because we don't pick those people. We don't choose those people. That's like when we get together with people, there are people like that who may be an acquaintance or a friend or something at some point, but I'm not going to surround myself with that person. I'm not going to go out of my way to see that person. As we travel around the country, we go out of our way often to see certain people when we go, you know, we'll go hours, days out of our way because, oh, we're in this part of the country. Yeah, it's one state over, but we should go there because we need to see this in person or that person because they're just great friends. And you surround yourself, you surround yourself with the people that you want to be with and that encourage you and make you happy. Yeah, so if you're an asshole, we're not going to come see you. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's our qualification. Don't be an asshole. Well, or don't be a dick. Well, you, no, you could be a dick. You just got to be the right kind. Like the one you wrote about. Like the Nick- I go see. Okay. <laughs> Can you know? Okay. It's a whole thing. It's another story. It's convoluted. All right. So, the sun... It's not uh, perverted at all. The sun... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn Kenny off. That's probably a good call because I'm getting a little rambunctious. And I'm watching this fish right here who is uh, like about 10, 12 10. feet out away from us yeah. off the shore. And he's just, he's like floating. He's not floating like belly up at the top he's of the water. Lazing but he's lazing around. Swi- he's lazing around at the top of the water eating bugs. It's so cool. The water's so clear. You can <laughs> see him awesome. under the water and everything. It's just kind of fun. He's like, his little tail's flipping up out of the water a little bit. It, look at that. I've not ever hardly seen that. I know. It's really cool. That's the other thing, too, is if you want to do something different. Wait, he's belly up now. It, he is not. He just died. I think he had a heart I attack. he did not. No, I'm just kidding. He's swimming. <laughs> Kenny, I'm I, just I thought I'm just I shut kidding. you off. That was, yeah, I know. You should have shut me off sooner. See, that was bad timing. Oh. Can you guys hear that? This is, like, amazing. I'm serious. Just watching just a fish. just watching this fish. The podcast has devolved into them watching a fish. That's the thing is if you want to start something, I think for me, one of the best places to do that is just find a favorite place of yours to just sit and hang out and watch. And whatever you see, that's fine. But what that does is it just slows down your mind. You're the person who gives you the most inspiration. You're the one that can shut you down and you're the one that can get you started. So yeah, don't rely on somebody else. Yeah. You're the one that can start it. it yourself. And then surround yourself by people you want to be with. If you don't have it within yourself to go after what you want, nobody else can make it happen for you. You have to be the one to jumpstart. Like April said, you have to be the one to go after it. People will help you. If you go after something, you will get help from people. And a lot of times when you least expect it. You don't have to ask for it all the time. But if you ask, people will help. But you will be surprised at the corners of places that people come from that you never expected and they will help you. Ooh, and you know what? Not every moment of what you decide to endeavor to try is going to be ecstatic and wonderful and the best time ever. It's hard fucking work <laughs> sometimes. And Can it's, we cuss on this show? Yeah. Oh, okay. And it could be oh, cold. Yeah, it's our show. I mean, like, especially if you're camping and stuff, it could get chilly and you better be prepared for that. And you better yeah. be prepared for the work that goes into something, whether it's writing a book or riding a bike or catching a fish or whatever the hell it is. Sometimes it's hard and you have to have patience to do it. 
And if you are having fun doing that, then you know you've picked the right thing and you're gonna continue your journey. If you're miserable and you've tried it several times and it's just not what you wanna do, and you feel great when you decide not to do it anymore, you know you made the right decision That's there a too. Sign. Yeah, there's your sign. <laughs> like, yeah, um, here's your sign. But so I would like to use that moment to jump into, I mentioned it earlier, and this is gonna be a full on shameless plug because we are having Camp Carpe Diem in Uray, Colorado, October 7th through the 10th. And we'd really love for you guys to come out and join us. Anybody who's interested in just kind of building your on the road community and maybe trying some new experiences or just trying some of the stuff you do with some new people. I mean, we're gonna do some mountain biking, hiking. We are gonna do some photography with uh, with Barry's gonna lead our photography and thing. Jill and August Wheeler are gonna lead our mountain biking and we have some we're gonna lead some beer expeditions we're gonna go to some breweries in the area and we're also gonna have a beer share on site that if you if you decide to come to Carpe Diem please you know bring some beer with you to share with everybody just a couple things yeah even if you come and don't want to do a lot of the activities yeah that's okay too just come hang out with us and have a good time we're gonna have you know, we're going to have some potluck dinners around the campfire, all kinds of fun stuff. So anyway, that's all that is. And I just wanted to point it out. So, oh, so April, where do they go to sign up? C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M.com. And I had to throw that to April because I just can't Eagle, do it Eagle, right there well. again. Oh, Barry's back. Barry's back right as we close the show. Good it's job, so Barry. So pretty. Nice, nice return. And he's right back to the same perch. Excellent. So here's well, the deal. Uh, wait, wait, though. Here's the deal with this. You don't get to see unexpected things unless you put yourself in unexpected places. Mm-hmm. So how about we end it on that one? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and if you like the podcast, please uh, share it with your friends. Um, oh, my gosh. There's a second eagle. Now we've got two. Barry's got a buddy. Barry and Brian. Because <laughs> they're bald eagles that start with the name of B, and we know Barry and Brian. They're just sitting up on top of the tree. So again, please share the podcast with a friend. Um, If you can, leave a review, um, subscribe, all that good fun stuff. And uh, May you fly with the eagles. May you fly with the eagles. Fly like an eagle. Cheers. Uh, Cheers. And we hope to see you at Carpe Diem. And if not, keep listening. Thanks. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you. So keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.